Call for Action presents Of Consuming Interest, a public service show that discusses scams, deceptive offers, and other consumer concerns. Here's the director of WJLA 7 Call for Action and your host, Shirley Rooker. We're going to take a look at how regulations affect the way we live. For example, what about regulations that would cause your dishwasher not to work too well? Or that washing machine to take forever to get its job done? Or what about the air conditioners in your house and in your car? What are some of the things that are down the pike that may affect your ability to get refrigerants or at least get refrigerants that aren't more expensive than what you're doing right now? Well, we're going to get some answers to these questions. My guest today is Ben Lieberman. He is a senior fellow with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Ben, welcome to Of Consuming Interest. Well, thank you for having me. Now, this is a very interesting subject because we all have dishwashers, and or most of us do, and we have washing machines, and we have toilets that sometimes don't flush, or we have showers that uh, just barely put out a little trinkle of water. Tell me, let's go back to a little bit of the history of the regulations of these gadgets in our home. Can you kind of give us an overview? Well, a federal law enacted in 1975 called the Energy Policy and Conservation Act requires the Department of Energy to set energy efficiency standards for home appliances. That includes air conditioners, refrigerators, dishwashers, clothes washers and dryers, water heaters, light bulbs, ovens, almost everything around the house that uses energy. And there are also water efficiency standards for toilets and showers and faucets. Now, these standards tend to raise the purchase price of appliances, but presumably you earn back that and then some in the form of lower energy bills or lower water bills over the life of the appliance. But I'm not so sure that consumers always come out ahead. And in fact, there's reason to believe that some of these regulations have gone too far. Well, and, and that's what I've been reading and what I've been hearing. And from just anecdotal stories from friends of mine who do talk about their appliances that are not very efficient, that don't work very well, that don't do the job or take forever to get something done. So it sounds to me like you're kind of wasting energy there if you have to repeat a wash or if you have to flush the toilet three times. So anyhow, let's, let's get down and look at some of the, the problems that are being caused, like the dishwashers. Is this, how do you investigate this and how do you determine, how does a consumer make a decision? I mean, my organization, what we look at are consumer issues. We talk about consumer problems. We try to solve consumer problems. And I'm interested in this because it affects our pocketbook. And, you know, uh, that's a very critical issue to all of us. So how do we, uh, how do you look at it? How does CEI, Competitive Enterprise Institute, how do you take a look at this and, and figure out whether or not it really is saving money or costing us a lot more because our appliances don't work as well? Well, some of the regulations have had an adverse impact on product quality and performance. And in my view, that's being penny-wise and pound-foolish because the most important thing with an appliance is that it performs its function. And most notably, as you mentioned, the standards for dishwashers have resulted in dishwashers taking two or more hours to finish a load, whereas the older models before these new regulations were in place only took an hour. Also, uh, many say that the models don't clean and dry the dishes as well. 
Now, there's actually a requirement in the law that forbids setting an efficiency standard that harms product features and performance, but I believe that requirement has been ignored, and as is clearly the case with, with dishwashers. Now, my organization, the Competitive Enterprise Institute, has filed a petition with the Department of Energy to change the regulations to allow dishwashers that can do the job in an hour. And even the president, if you've noticed on some of his stump speeches, has uh, talked about uh, uh, dishwashers. So what's happening now is that a petition is working its way through the Department of Energy to try to fix what I consider to be the mistake made by the uh, the dishwasher regulations. A number of members of the public have um, have uh, weighed in on that process. I believe the comment period is closed, but the uh, Department of Energy is moving ahead with that, and hopefully that will lead to a uh, a standard that allows uh, the older, better dishwashers to to come back onto the marketplace. So that that makes hope for those of us who have old products that we know are eventually going to have to be replaced. But I I just shudder every time I think about having to replace my dishwasher, which works so well, but my goodness, it is very old. And uh, so is my washing machine. So, you know, I'm hoping that this doesn't happen. Okay, so for a consumer, we see all this. And of course, I, I, I agree with the sentiment that we want to protect our environment. We want to do as much as we can to preserve our environment. And, and I don't think that anybody's going to disagree with that. But when it sounds to me like a dishwasher that takes twice as long to complete its job is using more energy to do half the work. Would that be reasonable? Well, it doesn't. It doesn't use more energy, but I think uh, efficiency with regard to people's time is something that also ought to be taken mm-hmm. into account. I remember learning this when, uh, when I had a job where the office copier was one of those energy saver copiers that goes to sleep on you and, uh, if nobody's made a copy lately. And mm-hmm. I'd be sitting there waiting for the, 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 the copier to turn back on again, and i think, how, how efficient is this? I'm sitting around here oh, yeah. doing nothing for, for two minutes until the, the, uh, the, 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 the copier goes on. So we can't just put on blinders and only think about energy efficiency. We have to think about the overall performance of that appliance and what the consumer wants and what the consumer needs. That's what should come first. So if this, this new rule is adapted or adopted or whatever the term is, this would mean that, that manufacturers could go backwards a little bit in terms of some of the rigid standards that are in place right now. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, there would still be an energy efficiency standard in place, but it one it would be one that has to accommodate the need for dishwashers to be able to finish the job in in a reasonable amount of time, and uh, that's what uh, that's what we're doing with with dishwashers, of course. Better than fixing bad regulations is preventing bad regulations from being adopted in, in the first place. And that's the real goal, I think, with, uh, with reform of this program. So the, the, the reform then would say that you could not explain exactly what the reform amounts to. It would say that the, the, anything that is developed and new put into the marketplace has to do what? Well, it would say that anything that, uh, that, that's put into the marketplace can't have an adverse impact on product features, performance, reliability, that you can't, uh, you can't uh, uh, reduce any of the features that, 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 that consumers demand just for the sake of energy efficiency. That's, I think, the, the reform that, that we would need. Now, I would point out one thing that uh, um, uh, the Trump DOE, the, the Trump Department of Energy did in a rule, they made some reforms that uh, are helpful. And what they say is that a new standard 
uh, can't be adopted unless it saves a significant amount of energy. And that's, that's useful as well because the whole purpose of these uh, efficiency standards is that although the uh, the cost of the uh, the appliance is is greater. Presumably, you save money in the long run on lower energy bills, but that isn't going to happen if the energy savings are trivial. So uh, I think the the Trump Department of Energy did a good thing by saying that future standards uh, can be adopted only if they save a significant amount of energy. So I that's, think that that's, makes that's sense. One step towards putting consumers. Yeah, it makes, makes perfect sense. sense. Most people would think that's probably going on already, but it isn't. Okay, let's just take a brief pause here. Um, you are listening to Of Consuming Interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Ben Lieberman. He is a senior fellow with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. And Ben, just give me in a few words, what does the Competitive Enterprise Institute do? We're a public policy and analysis organization committed to advancing the principles of free markets and limited government, or you could just call us a libertarian think tank, a, a, a limited government think tank. Okay, so rules and regulations, you want them, but you want them to make sense and not to be burdensome to the economy or to the consumer. Um, okay, all right, so, so you think that if this process rule, and you think this is going to go into effect, and how soon? This, this 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 recently went into effect. So oh, it, it went into effect. Future, Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Right? But it, this is just one thing that uh, that 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 could be done, and actually, uh, more comprehensive reforms would require uh, uh, legislation. But we just don't have a, a Congress willing to, uh, to to look at that right I now. I see. So you can only do a little bit. You can do part of it. And of course, I know that I think the president has made some changes to light bulb requirements. Um, I don't want to give up my good old lights, my incandescent bulbs, and I think I'm going to be able to buy them. Um, anyway, I believe that's true. I don't know. I didn't plan on discussing light bulbs with you, but that's one of the things that that uh, is close to my heart because I don't want to have to change all the lighting in my house. But anyhow, let's go back and talk about the thing that we said we were going to talk about, and that is what's happening on the coolant. Now, I remember some years ago um, being told that we had to change from the car, the coolant, that, the refrigerant that we were using in our air conditioners and, and our um, cars and so on because it was uh, uh, polluting the environment. So we made some changes to something called HFCs, I believe they are. And now we're being told that, mm, no, those are bad, so we're going to have to make some more changes. Tell me what's going on. Well, decades ago, there were concerns about depletion of the Earth's ozone layer, or the uh, the ozone hole, as it was uh, as it was commonly called. And there were a number of refrigerants in use at the time that were banned because of their belief that uh, the belief that they, they leak out of air conditioners and refrigerators and contribute to uh, ozone depletion. So, a whole host of of non ozone depleting substitute refrigerants were uh, were uh, put into widespread use and equipment was redesigned to use these new uh, to, to these new refrigerants this includes your home air conditioner your home refrigerator your car air conditioner the equipment you might see at a supermarket or a convenience store and other uh, businesses now these substitute refrigerants are also under the gun the argument being that they contribute to climate change so now they are also uh, 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 being subject to restrictions, 
and that will add to the cost both of repairing existing equipment, but also the cost of buying new equipment. Now, so far, the U.S. has not signed on to a U.N. treaty that would, that would restrict these uh, refrigerants, but there are bills in Congress that would essentially do so. And what these bills, again, would do is they would restrict production of the refrigerant that you need to fix your home air conditioner, car air conditioner, if it develops a leak. And that would, of course, raise the cost of those old refrigerants and, and, and the cost of repairs of equipment. And the new equipment using the new refrigerants would also cost more. So repairs of old stuff and purchase of new stuff, new air conditioning, new refrigeration, would cost more if this policy becomes law. And what do you all think of this? Oh, I think that it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's far more uh, consumer pain than uh, than environmental gain that uh, that the, the the contribution of these particular refrigerants is problematic uh, whether they're that bad for the environment I think is somewhat questionable and as it turns out some of the companies behind this have patented some of these substitutes which sell for a lot more so there's a lot they're of uh, self-interest involved in, in this as well, self-interest, that's going to come at the expense of consumers. Well, we found that out in a lot of things, especially when it comes to the climate and environmental issues. Um, okay, so so we've got here, I'm sitting here, I have an older air conditioner, and it uses, I remember when we went through the whole bit of the having to use something different in the air conditioner, and at that time it cost more to put it in the air conditioner. Who is behind this move? Is this, you're saying that this is a global initiative, but who, who, who initiated it? Did companies as well as some environmental groups? And how do they know yeah, that this is going to be any better than what we've already got? And looking down the road, the track record is not too great. No, they could be making another mistake, another costly mistake for consumers. I think that's a legitimate concern. Um, to name specific companies, Honeywell and Chemours, which used to be DuPont, they've patented a whole host of these substitute refrigerants that cost, in some cases, up to 10 times more than the refrigerants that they'd like to see restricted. So there's a, there's, there's a tremendous uh, profit opportunity for certain companies, and they find common cause with environmentalists who want to um, get rid of the, uh, the, the old refrigerants. They probably so want to get a powerful some, combination. Yeah. Yeah, some of them probably want to get rid of air conditioners. Period. Um, anyway, okay. So what we're what we're looking at here is a process that uh, it's it's maybe very harmful to consumers. Would my old air conditioner? I'd still have to use the old product in it because I don't have a new one. So I'd have to buy new air conditioners if I wanted to use the new product. So I'm going to end up spending an awful lot of money for something that we're not even sure is going to really be helpful. Okay, now what this this started by environmental groups and 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 who has initiated this? I mean, who was the impetus behind it? Was it at, at what level? Oh, it happened at the United Nations level, I think at at the beginning the, the okay. hope was under the obama administration that we could get the u.s on board with a uh, treaty that would uh, that require restrictions on the existing refrigerants but uh, 
the Obama administration wasn't able to, to get that done before leaving office. And so far, President Trump hasn't shown any interest in uh, uh, supporting this, uh, this, this United Nations treaty. So some um, members of Congress have uh, introduced bills that would legislatively essentially do the same thing, and, and those are being debated in Congress right now. Okay, let, uh, we're going to have to take a brief pause here. But I'm, when we come back, I want to talk about some of the myths that are being put out there to consumers and some of the facts as you all see them. So there's some interesting things going on here, and it makes you wonder who's moving what and who's going to profit from it greatly. And there are going to be some, pro- some people who do that. But anyway... Thank you. We're going to take a break here and let everybody know you're listening to Off Consuming Interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Ben Lieberman. He's a senior fellow at the Competitive Enterprise Institute. And we're talking about how regulations affect consumers, specifically in what it does to your home appliances. And now talking about what it's going to do to your refrigerators and uh, your Uh, air conditioners in your cars, in your house, and what the cost impact is going to be on consumers. So what kind of support does this bill have that's going through right now? Because I gather that President uh, Trump has the uh, choice of whether or not he signs this into law. Is that, would that be correct? No, I mean, what's the exist, uh, whether or not we join this United Nations effort? Well, the president would have to submit those United Nations provisions to the Senate for ratification, I and he's chosen not to do so. Okay. And in addition to that, there are, there are some bills in both the House of Representatives and the Senate that would essentially do the same thing domestically. So they, they and, and, and is this getting very much sponsorship? I'm sure you all are following it. We are following it, and it's the it's getting uh, some sponsorships, some some bipartisan sponsorship members who listen to environmentalists uh, are are jumping on board, and and members of Congress who are listening to companies in their district or state who say they might gain from this are also jumping on board. So uh, it is uh, of concern, especially since this bill is bipartisan. But I think in terms of bipartisan bills, I, I think one member of Congress said the worst uh, car wrecks are in the middle of the road. So <laughs> don't, don't, don't think just because, because something's bipartisan, that means it's a good idea. That's it's not exactly necessarily right. the case. That's exactly right. Now, let's talk about the myth. I mean, some of the proponents of this are saying that it's going to uh, create new jobs, producing more jobs. But that's not your view. Is that correct? Uh, no. and. You know, just because we're going to be using newfangled air conditioners and refrigerants, uh, that doesn't mean you or I are going to have more air conditioners or refrigerants. It's just going to be that the new equipment will will, will supplant the the old stuff, and there'll be job losses at at the factories where the, 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 the older stuff was made. And in terms of being able to export this equipment around the world, um, it doesn't seem very likely that uh, other countries like China and India, where air conditioning and refrigeration use is growing, that they're going to want to pay extra for these environmentally friendly uh, versions. These, these countries want the, 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 the most uh, cost-effective uh, products. Sure. And so it doesn't seem likely that if we switch to these more expensive technologies here in the U.S., that the world is going to want to buy them. So uh, I really don't see the, the argument that this is going to create jobs in the U.S. and expand exports, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. I think the real economic goal is to raise costs on the domestic market by essentially creating a a captive market for for these new technologies. And some of that being pushed by the companies that stand to gain from it. 
So exactly. Okay, and and the the uh, one of the myths is that it's going to give us an edge over China because China is the huge producer of the uh, the refrigerants that we use right now. So, uh, but you all say that's not true. Well, I looked into that, and some of the companies saying that they're going to create U.S. jobs making these new refrigerants and new equipment. I looked a little deeper. They actually built plants in China making the very products they're talking about. Oh, so, gosh. Uh, there's a little bit or more than a little bit of hypocrisy uh, going on here. So I, I really don't see that this is going to give uh, any U.S. companies an edge over China when those companies are building factories making stuff in China. And, this, and, and, and just so I'm clear, if this is adopted, this would mean that we, when we have a breakdown in our current old products that use the current um, HFCs, would this mean, this would mean that we either replace it or we repair it at a much higher cost for the refrigerant? Yeah, the, the, the refrigerant needed to repair the old equipment would be scarce because production would be limited and so the price mm -hmm. would rise. And so repairs of older equipment will be higher than they would be otherwise. And anybody who's had an air conditioner repaired lately know that repair costs are already high oh, enough. Yeah. And plus, if you, if you choose to buy new, the new equipment will also uh, go up in price. So it doesn't seem like consumers gain. Does the environment gain in this process? Or do we really know? Well, that's the that's the argument. I'm not so sure that this really makes as much difference for the environment as is claimed. Um, you know, the, the record on, on environmental measures is, is, is mixed at best. Some of them, um, you know, do make some sense. Some of them, not so much. And in any event, whenever we uh, impose environmental measures, I think first and foremost is doing so in a way that keeps consumer impacts to a minimum. And I think this effort to, uh, to, to, to push aside the old refrigerants is, is, is too much too fast. I think yeah. we ought to let the existing generation of the older equipment, let it, let it live out its useful life without higher costs to be replaced in due course by whatever the next big thing is. But we don't need to force that product process along because that can really add to cost. Well, it, there will be a next generation of air conditioners. There's no question about that. The pro the question is, is what is the, the technology that's going to be used? What is the refrigerant? I guess that's one part of the, the question that remains. But the bigger question to me and the bigger concern is, does it really, is it something that is just going to enrich a few companies that are building plants in China, not here to manufacture some of these products. This is, this of, of course, I think takes away from the positive aspect of maybe doing something that would, would be beneficial to the environment. But I, I, when there's a vested interest in something by a producer, gives me pause to find out whether or not they really produced information that's useful. So I'm glad that you all are there looking at this and seeing if, in fact, this information is true. I gather we've only got about a minute. Well, you want to summarize it? Well, I think that, uh, you know, I've been, I've been listening to Call for Action for a number of years, and I think your approach has always been one of, of an educated consumer being able to make the best choices for himself and herself. And if you want the energy-efficient dishwasher, if you want the, uh, the newfangled green air conditioner, that ought to be your choice. But we ought not have 
federal laws and regulations that force that choice on everyone, whether it makes sense or not. So I think uh, consumers becoming educated and laws and regulations that leave as wide a variety of products available so consumers can choose for themselves. I think that's the, the best policy for dishwashers, for air conditioners, for refrigerators, for light bulbs, and for whatever else we need to, uh, to live our lives. Thank Ben, you put it very well. Thank you. It's been a very informative uh, interview. I really appreciate your taking the time to join us. You've been listening to Of Consuming Interest. My guest has been Ben Lieberman. He's a senior fellow with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. We hope you enjoyed the program today. You can get in touch with me, Shirley, at callforaction.org. And we thank you for joining us. You've been listening to us right here on 1500 the Federal News Network. Thank you again for joining us, and we hope to talk to you soon. Of Consuming Interest is a public service program presented by WJLA 7 Call for Action, hosted by Shirley Rooker. Call for Action is an international nonprofit network of hotlines which offer free and confidential assistance. If you have a complaint, contact Call for Action at 301-652-HELP. That's 301-652-HELP. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.